0: Pacers president of basketball operations Kevin Pritchard made his exit interview on Tuesday and when the president of basketball operations speaks you listen you do your takeaways and you figure out what you can learn about the next steps for the Pacers how they feel about their team right now and other various notes and you'll get it all broken down today on the locked on Pacers podcast you are locked on Pacers your daily Indiana Pacers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East, I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, diving in to Kevin Pritchard's end-of-season presser 42 minutes with the president inside Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Tuesday. Lots of good stuff. From Pritchard about how he feels about the direction of this team, Tyrese Halliburton, various other little tidbits here and there. And you can just tell by his tone that he is very enthused <laughs> by this team and the direction and the step forward they took. He had a lot of fun, you know, managing this group and being around them all season. And he said he was sad, like had a had a sad moment in the shower at the end of the season, thinking about why he was sad the season was over, which I really enjoyed. And says a lot about how he feels about the team and is still telling about what this team could do next. We'll break down everything he said today, starting with some roster directional stuff at the beginning, Tyrese Halberd's influence in the middle, and at the end, some various news and notes that I found to be of importance. But credit to Kevin Pritchard, 42 minutes, thoughtful, wordy answers that he even laughed about how much he was talking. Uh, that helps everybody, right? It helps the Pacers, it helps the fans, it helps us, it helps everybody, the partners of the team. It, it, Transparency is always great, and I really appreciate him doing this. Uh, but to start, I think the theme for me, right? If you listen to the pressure on YouTube, you can hear the, the questions media asked. My first one was about the fact that the team only has three free agents and has a ton of cap space and five draft picks. How does that balance work? And my second one was about, uh, you know, he talked the last summer about this new long-term approach the Pacers had, and they had a great season. And he talked about how he felt like they took two steps forward of this season as opposed to one. Does that change the way he thinks about their path? And I thought those were the directional things I wanted to know, right? How do you approach this coming summer? And what's your big picture feel for the next steps for this team? And I think it's so interesting to hear him talk about it because the way he started talking about all this was talking about how the Pacers approach – Right. Off seasons, team building, free agency player movement periods. Right. They model a lot. Right. If this happens, then this, if this happens, then this, if these three things, you know, there's a and there's a lot of modeling to do when there's a lot of free agents and 30 teams and a bunch of moving parts. It's extra tricky when you're the Pacers and you have so many assets to move stuff around, right? KP said it's basically infinite in the way that they would model this year compared to other years. And I thought that was fascinating and almost a challenge of, you know, we have all these resources and that's great, but it's also hard to kind of figure it out all into place. But, you know, the biggest stuff to me is the way Kevin Pritchard thematically talked about the next steps for this team, right? He said, once you get the foundation done, the walls go up, then the roof goes up, right? And, and that's sort of the, a different way of saying something I always say, which is team building goes crawl, walk, run. Right? You can't crawl and then run because you don't know how to walk on your two feet, and you'll trip, and it won't. It'll be too fast, and if you start walking too much, you don't know how to change directions and all sorts of things, and you have to go in the right order. And this is the same sort of way of describing it, and I think that's critical. But also the way he talked about it is they're kind of going to try to figure out if they can do two paths. Right? They st- he still thinks they need to add to their core which i think is is pretty important right he said we're obsessed with getting the right core that kind of suggests to me that i think they have a lot of it but maybe not quite all of it just yet but does adding to that core entail staying young for one more year adding another young talented piece and staying a little bit more long term focused or does that entail going for it and being aggressive and making something happen right he mentioned that something he said at the trade deadline which was they did make those aggressive offers at the deadline something he said they've never done before obviously they couldn't land the deal. And the the current climate of the league and the picks is that it's really hard to make those sort of deals. But that's another path is adding to that core via the final player you get in some gigantic move because you have all the space and picks in the world to make something like that happen. And so they just have a lot of options. And so on one hand, keeping your optionality and keeping the chance to go down both paths makes sense to me. That's smart, right? If we want to skew young because the opportunity... To, to be a little more aggressive and, and start running isn't there. That makes sense. And if the opportunity is there, go do it. But like, it's hard to do that in practice because, you know, you, you keep so many options open at the same time that it's almost tantalizing and just, maybe not distracting and look, teams are smart and know how to, to manage all this, but it's just very hard to do two paths at once. Like you have to commit at some point. It doesn't have to be the summer. I just think that's a very hard thing to do. So I assume they will pick one or the other of that with their actions but it's fascinating to hear him talk about that That they have so many options with their picks and he said something called they have shadow space on top of their cap space like they could even get more if they wanted like they have a very very fascinating summer uh ahead of them on how they decide to proceed do they continue with a long-term approach do they continue to kind of fight these parallel paths and try to keep their optionality long term? Or do they really kind of go for it and that big trade they they discussed at the deadline? Do they make it happen now? What are those next steps, right? That's going to be absolutely fascinating. And he talked about how those large draft pick trades have changed, right? We're M- bringing up Drew Holiday's old deals from team to team, getting him to the Bucks. Took, I, I, two firsts and one protected first in a swap. And now he said if you wanted to trade for Drew Holiday, it would take – your house, your boat, your franchise, everything, right? And, like, that's just how this has changed. And the Gobert stuff was too over the top, and it will change. It'll spring back to an normalcy a little bit. But, you know, that that's also an extra challenge for them right now. So the the way I thought about it was that was fascinating when they think about the next steps as they do those parallel paths is when do they have to commit, right? If they pick a really young guy sixth. Are they locked into now a slightly still long-term approach going forward? Or if they trade six, is it now an instant commitment to, you know, a little bit more aggressive and, and speeding up and building the walls, right, to use his analogy instead of building the foundation, right? Or is that still building the foundation or building the walls if you pick someone at six, right? It's hard to say, but I think when do they have to commit to a path? I think it's when they're out of resources, right? They still have surplus of picks after this year, though way less than now, no extra firsts after this year. And their space, they'll, they could have some next year, but they could use it this summer. I think that is when the the decision has to be made, is once you're out of stuff, once you're out of resources to make deals. So they could pick someone at six and then also sign a free agent, but trade, trade 26 and 29 and 32 for future picks and roll over some of their space and then. You know, they're doing two paths at once, right? So there are a lot of ways this could look. And the way he described it makes me think that they'll consider all of them. It's not exactly clear what the best thing is. But the fact that they have the option to do all that is, of course, what's kind of led them to this point, right? (laughs) They've been able to do kind of whatever they wanted at any time. And now they have a ton of quality players on great contracts. But also at the same time, it's really hard to do those parallel paths right it's really hard you got to commit to something at some point and maybe they will this summer and maybe they will next trade deadline who knows but those are the next steps the Pacers have to figure out Um, Kevin Pritchard also discussed that they want to keep growing organically or going after a big fish, right? Those are the parallel paths. Uh, and they'll get, that, that is part of the modeling too, right? <laughs> Figuring out what those all look like. So it's hard. You're flexible, but you got to commit eventually. And it's really hard. And I think it'll be fascinating to see how he and the rest of the front office kind of proceed with that path. What do those next steps look like? Who does it entail on the team? What kind of younger versus older versus long-term versus short-term thing? We don't know that yet, and he'll never say it outright in front of us, but we'll learn a lot in the coming months. And look, the other reason to be maybe not wishy-washy but not commit to a path is if you get pick one in this draft versus pick seven, right, (laughs) that is obviously a significant franchise-changing difference, even two in this draft, right? You could go on and on about those sort of things. Like you can't even know. Your direction of, for the offseason at this stage, but I did think a lot of the way he discussed, you know, how they want to build foundation walls, roof. I think of the way that he talked about how they they will pursue aggressive stuff, and he said he is itchy, right, for aggression in the marketplace. Uh, he's, you maybe need to scratch that itch at the right time, right? All that was very interesting to me, and you can hear him talk about it if you listen to his exit interview on YouTube. But I thought that was the biggest takeaway: is that yes, I think they're going to accelerate their timeline a little bit because of. Tyrese Halbert and Ben Matherin being good and this team being 10 wins better than last year, despite it being your run over rebuild. Right. He said he thinks their timeline is accelerated with the additions of Matherin and Tyrese, but also they're still kind of figuring out what the best next step approach is going to be for this team. It's hard to do. Teams have pulled it off successfully. But again, it's extremely challenging, and especially if it's conflicting with your ability to to do one path or the other, like the Warriors had that problem this season, that when it gets hard, it's way too early to say that that problem could come up. But I'll be curious which path, if any, they pick this offseason or how they decide to manage those resources now versus long term. Another key theme from Kevin Pritchard, rightfully so, was Tyrese Halberd. the team star player, the, the face of the franchise right now, what's his role with this team? What could his extension be like? How will he be involved in personnel decisions? All very important things for this franchise going forward. We'll talk about that in the upcoming segment. Before we do that, though, i got to talk to you guys about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, the coolest mobile game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great NBA GM. As it turns out, it's really hard as kevin pritchard laid out today and if you've had the same thought and fantasize about managing your own basketball franchise go ahead and download ultimate pro basketball gm right now the game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise playing through seasons leading your team and fans to glory as you build a dynasty in the simulation you're responsible for managing personalities hiring coaches and assistants trading and training players making picks navigating your franchise through free agency everything in a challenging and realistic game world ultimate pro basketball gm completely free playable offline play on the go where and when you want to. We've had a Locked On Hosts League. It's super fun. There's a lot of trash talk. You can do that with your friends. So Locked On Pacers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code on your screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. Or look it up in the App Store. That's probasketballgm.com, Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Thank you, as always. For making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, go to Lockdown Hawks. I have no idea at this time of recording who wins the Heat Hawks playing game, but the Hawks are winning right now, and Jalen Johnson just had an awesome run of play to close the fourth first quarter that I'm extremely intrigued by. Uh, Brad Roland will talk you through the Hawks First planned game, the first planned game of the season this year. Playoffs are here. Let's go. And any other important topics about Trey Young, who might be uh, shopped this summer. Lots of reporting on that from Kevin O'Connor and Chomstrania today. Locked on Hawks with Brad Roland should be your second listen. As we continue talking about Kevin Pritchard here, though, a lot of talk about Tyrese Halberton today, as there should be, Right. The fact that he was this good, this fast, and can do all these things is, of course, important, right? Set a lot of impact metric records for the franchise this year. Was a massive boost in on-off rating. Was a massive boost off the court. Is a great leader. Is a great spirit. All these things that you want a franchise player to be if you're running a team, if you're in charge of building a team. Tyrese Halberton is many of them, and he's only 23 years old. That's fantastic stuff. For the Pacers, of course. Now, how do they proceed? They've got a guy, right? It's very hard to get a guy in a market like this. They've got a guy. What do they do with that information? Well, that's the next steps, right? And I think a key thing to note before we talk about this is there was some reporting about Tyrese Halliburton's inclusion in the DeAndre Ayton recruitment last summer, right? He signed that contract at the Pacers, ultimately did not end up here, right? Kevin Pritchard noted today that he thinks Halberton can be a recruiter, right? Since other players around the league really believe in him as a player and his ability to set them up, get them in good situations, and be fun to play with, right? And, you know, having talent is, of course, imperative to recruiting, but, like, the Nuggets get Paul Millsap when they're ascending and clearly at their peak, right? He was a great player when they got him. The Pacers got David West when they were ascending. They got to two conference finals with him on the team. Like, yes, market size is an influence, but if you're good— you can lure guys. A lot of talk about the Bucks with that, right? They get Joe Wingles, right? He was a hot name on the market, for example. And like these aren't stars, obviously. Stars don't switch teams as much in the NBA now with the way the trade landscape is and the way sign and trades work. Jalen Brunson switching teams last summer was super significant because of that, but just thinking about how market size can work. If you have a guy that people want to play with, and your team is good, you can get important pieces, not like star pieces, but important pieces. And that's critical that Halliburton has that sort of influence, or at least it's believed by the team. And the evidence of Aiton potentially suggests that he has that ability, right? Calling him a good recruiter was, of course, important. And the other part of that that's interesting is, and we'll get to how Tyrese is kind of the face of the franchise and how that changes the Pacers next steps uh, and his extension a second. But Kevin Pritchard was kind of asked, you know, do, do you consult Tyrese or do you listen to his uh, input and opinions on who you should go after and stuff? And he said they have a lot of con- talks about basketball at all levels and uh, all sorts of stuff that's important. But I thought this was noteworthy. Right. He said you know, he'll listen to a couple of guys on on their input on all that kind of stuff, but not too much of that input. He wants to be the final decision maker. And that's mostly just not to put pressure on Halliburton. Right. Not to make him the guy who has to make key final decisions. And of course, if he stomps his foot and says, damn it, I want this guy, right? It, it might happen just because of that. But, you know, if, if he's saying he trusts your judgment and you're the decision maker, right? You need to keep the pressure on yourself. So there isn't any on him if a signing doesn't work out or if the fit's not as as planned, right? All sorts of stuff that could create animosity. You want to avoid that at all costs. And so, yeah, listen to his input strongly, I would say actually too, right? Um, help build a team that maybe he would like or you know, if he if you wants someone maybe go get them but you know don't make that the final factor i think that's smart right you have you're in place as a gm in a front office for a reason and your star player should be a huge factor in recruiting and things like that but not the final factor i thought that was really interesting but there's more to the Tyrese halbern influence that kevin pritchard talked about than just that right there's his extension and his place with the franchise and the place in the franchise is he called it a partnership. I thought that was fascinating, right? In a room, he said, I think it was KP, Kevin Pritchard, uh, Chad Buchanan, Lloyd Pierce, Rick Carlisle. And they told Tyrese, like, we want you to be a partner in the franchise, right? He is the face of so much of what they're going to do as a recruiter, as a player, as a leader at his age, that, that that's a partner, right? You want to build with that guy, around that guy, whatever phrasing you want to use. And you want him to be involved in so much of what you do because he's that good, right? <laughs> Pritchard, you know, went no short of calling him a top 5 10 offensive player in the league right this second and yeah, he's got to get I think Kevin Pritchard George or his defense up to par. Uh, but you know, the fact that he can be that partner uh for the team and the fact that they're phrasing it that way, I mean, look, there was no shortage of there was no doubt that the Pacers had um a lack of commitment maybe to Tyrese Haliburton. They have a ton of commitment to Tyrese Haliburton, but this like is the ultimate stamp of You know He's the guy. He's going to be the guy for a long time. And so that leads to the next conversation is his contract extension. Look, I would do a whole show on this right today if I could, explaining the Tyrese Halberton extension this summer, what it could look like, what negotiations might be. But I don't know yet because there's a CBA that's in flux and uh, the rules might be changed for some extensions that aren't fully clear yet. Um, But Under the old extension rules, which if you can make some assumptions that most of those will stay in place, it's basically just if Tyrese Halberton wants a five-year extension with full escalators to get him 30% of the cap if he makes LNBA, the Pacers should smile and say, yep, sounds good, and hand him that exact deal, right? It seems so simple to me, and there's a lot of complications with years and those escalators that could make it a higher percentage of the cap and all sorts of interesting things involved in these negotiations, right? There's a reason like Donovan Mitchell gets a player option and Zion Williamson, I think got a player option, but some other guys get a flat five years. Like there's all this stuff that there's more to it than what I just said, but that's the gist of it. Right. And so if Albert says, I want that you're the Pacers, you say, yep, five years, here you go. Please sign with us for as long as possible. And that is basically what Kevin Pritchard said. He said, quote, Ty is going to be here a long time and quote, right? I'm imagining that they've had some sort of chatter, at least to a small level, about the extension. Ty mentioned that he thought about it yesterday. Um, And he also said, Richard said, Ty is our guy. We want him here as long as he wants to be here. He said he doesn't think the extension is going to be too complicated, and I agree. It's not complicated. He's good enough to... Be a max player right now. And he's 23 and you pay a guy on these rookie extensions what you think they're going to be worth. If they're already worth the max, it's the easiest negotiation ever. You just do it and you hope that you don't have to include a player option if you're the team. But sometimes that's how the cookie crumbles. Either way, if you're the Pacers, you're saying here is a blank check, basically. Um, but I did think that Pritchard's noted commitment to to doing an ex- or at least discussing an extension that openly and saying looking forward to having him. a lot of years. He's going to be here a long time. He's a partner with the franchise. As long as he wants to be here, we're going to have him here. Doesn't think it'll be complicated, right? That's a lot of words that I said and a lot of words that he kind of described to say, yeah, they believe he's going to be the face of the franchise for a very long time. And that is helpful for all sorts of other team building aspects, right? You know, you've got a star, and you know you've got a one, now you can build around that guy. If you know what kind of extension he's signing, right, that's part of their modeling, you can say, well, in that case, we can do this or that, or we know that we're going to have this much space this year and this much space that year, and it just helps a lot to know that sort of thing, so the fact that it feels like he's so confident in their ability to retain Halliburton for a long time is important for the Pacers, and of course, having good players is good, and having Tyrese Halliburton, who is is twenty three years old, or as he said, five and three quarters uh, since his birthday is February 29th, is of critical importance to the Pacers franchise. Again, you can hear all of these comments from Kevin Pritchard on the Pacers YouTube channel. They uploaded the entire exit interview in full. Uh, I've watched it like three times. <laughs> I to make sure I have the gist of everything he said. Uh, so I would highly recommend you do the same. But there is one more segment I want to get to today, and that is Fluff. I did this yesterday with the player X interviews and Rick Carlisle's just stuff that I thought was noteworthy or just something I didn't expect to hear that I thought was important to discuss or could be significant uh, for the Pacers future. We'll get to that in this third and final segment before we do so, though. Got to talk to you guys about FanDuel Grand Slams, no hitters, double plays are back MLB action is going and FanDuel America's number one sports book is the best place to get in on that action because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on sign up place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win right you can do lots of opening day weekend bets for your favorite team that probably already have had opening day but um Continuing bets like, well, Aaron Judge pick up where he left off and hit a home run at any at bat, or will this certain pitcher go over under on their strikeouts, or will you, you could do a single game parlay with your favorite matchup of the day with a bunch of bets in that game. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com/lockdown to sign up. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first. Listen today and every single day for your second listen. I made the same suggestion yesterday. Locked on women's basketball. They just had their draft Monday. Fever in Indiana had the first pick. Lots to break down about the draft and the locked women's basketball crew from the next. We'll have everything you need to know about the W right now in a critical off uh, offseason for the league and for the Fever. Uh, lots of fun going on over there. Let's talk about what uh, this fluff section. I call it other unnecessary stuff in my notes here with lots of colorful. Uh, notation so I can say what I want in this section. Look, Pritchard, first of all, said something uh, exactly mirroring what was said a lot yesterday. Pacers need to get better on defense, right? And for the coaching staff and for the players, that's on them to get better. And then for the coaching staff, that's on them to either you know create a slightly different scheme or help guys improve specific skills, whatever you want to say. They just need to get better on defense. Kevin Pritchard said, quote, need to organically improve our defense, right? So, Whether that's internal development, I don't know. But if you're the president of basketball operations, you have the ability to potentially bring in defensive-minded players. Every single detail we've gotten from players, coaches, and presidents now suggests that uh, defense is going to be a key skill for anyone the Pacers may add uh, this summer. Second key thing. This is now on the record. I think we kind of had this on the record before for the Pacers situation, but after the trade deadline even more so. Kevin Pritchard said, quote, I don't want to bring in five young kids to this organization, unquote, when discussing the draft. Someone replied to me on Twitter. This made me laugh and said, oh, so they're going to draft five 24 year olds. That was funny. Um, But the the gist of why he's saying that is they don't want to draft five players. They do not have the capacity to add that much more young talent into an already young team that Wants to get better next year by all accounts, right? Everybody's talking about they need to improve this and that to be better. They've been talking about higher win totals. They've been talking about what level their defense will need to be at for them to be better. They want to be a better team next year. You can't bring in a bunch of rookies and be better. I don't know if that means they're going to consolidate all their back end picks for a higher pick. I don't know if that means they're going to consolidate all those picks for a future pick. I don't know if that means they're going to trade the... Highest pick they get for an awesome player, I don't know. There's a million ways that that could look, but I would be stunned if the Pacers made honestly more than two picks, just given their current roster construction. Uh, maybe I would think I could think of a way that three makes some sense. I guess if the two of them are two ways, but it's going to be very complicated. And I guess the inclusion of a third two-way and the new CBA influences things. The, the draft random drawings and lottery could influence things, but you get what I'm saying. They can't, they don't have the capacity to bring in lots of young guys. And now we know that the team agrees. So expect a busy offseason in that way from this Pacers team. Uh, Kendall Brown, right? I, I, I discussed this a little bit, but when the Pacers waived Trevlin Queen to sign Gabe York, I perked up a little bit thinking about Kendall Brown, because if you wanted to evaluate Gabe York, you could have evaluated him and Trevlin Queen. If you're the Pacers in their last, whatever, five games, By just cutting Kendall Brown, who was injured and out for the rest of the season. Clearly, though, because they kept Kendall Brown, they have some value placed on having him around in the future or still evaluating him. Right. They traded into the draft to get him. They gave him a future pick and cash to get Kendall Brown at 48 last year. They were psyched about him and they didn't get a lot of chances to see him. Well, Kevin Pritchard said what my hunch was from their little two-way in late March. He said they feel good about Kendall Brown and considering bringing him back on a two-way deal or a standard deal. If there really are three two-way deals next year, as the leaks about the new CBA have surmised, that seems like a very natural fit for a guy that's done the two-year two-way thing before with a couple of guys. Granted, for Edmund Sumner, for example, it was actually a two-year contract instead of two one-year deals. Uh, But I think Ben Moore signed a second two-way contract. With the Pacers, Brian Bowen did consecutive two-way deals. This isn't something new for this team, but we'll see what actually ends up happening there. But that is the thing that, given their actions uh, of their two-way moves earlier this season that I assumed, and now we have that on the record as well, that Kendall Brown could be brought back, and they can make him a restricted free agent and make that an exceedingly easy thing to do, (laughs) to bring him back on whatever deal they may or may not want to do. Uh, something else they talked about as they as they progress forward is how they studied the Cavaliers' build and the amount of time it took. I thought that was interesting. The Cavs' build slowly from LeBron's departure. Uh, they should have made the playoffs after, like, three years of that build from the Garland stuff to Sexton to then Mobley. And they should have made it last year, but injuries derailed it, as the Pacers know, because they lost their first-round pick. So if they studied that build and are, are fond of it and that timeline, they're talking about accelerating, like, this coming season or the season after still feel like the ones the Pacers kind of start moving a little faster or going forward or whatever phrasing you want to use going for it sounds like they're chasing a championship immediately. But whatever phrasing you want to use, the fact that Cleveland is is a noteworthy build to them, which it should be. Cleveland did a fantastic job in the draft and all sorts of stuff is noteworthy. But right after that, Pritchard talked about how their timeline is accelerated with the additions of Tyrese Halbern and Ben and I talked about this in the first segment, but it, it just all the signs of the teams they studied and the things that they've cared about and the way that the actions they've done and the, the way they've talked suggests to me that they're they're still trying to think long-term as much as they can with the moves they're going to make this summer. But I think they're going to go for building a winner or a playoff level team this offseason, or at least close to it and the Cavs were a playoff level team this year and they probably should have been last year but again were derailed by injuries right after they made a trade sending the pacers their first round pick ironically uh dustin dopierak asked about all three of the pacers impending free agents and asked about buddy healed contract extension another one where the cba is a big factor right because veteran extensions can now be 140 percent raises and The thing with Heald that will be fascinating is, you know, they could extend him in the offseason, but because he'll only have one year left on his deal next year, they could do it anytime during the season, too. So why not wait unless you get like this kind of lifetime? But Buddy Heald's like properly paid. And it's very rare you see extensions for guys that are, you know, less than their current contract. It's always usually up or something funky like what the Pacers did last year. And I suppose technically, yes, they could legally do a renegotiation with Buddy like they did with Miles. But. Again, he's properly paid now. You don't renegotiate upwards with the guy who's already properly paid. So it just doesn't seem likely given his current cap number. It's oh, it's kind of strange that a current cap number influences what an extension can be. But either way, the new extension rules could have influence here. So it's hard to say what would and wouldn't make sense for a Buddy Heald extension. But Pritchard did not rule it out, right? said they didn't have to extend Buddy early, but they could. He said they're, he's not opposed to it. But uh, to me, it just doesn't make sense that they would even do something like that, given the direction this team is headed and all sorts of other things. Um, KP continued to talk about uh, free agents and said there are guys that they'll be taking a look at, which, duh. Um, but when he was talking about his own free agents, he said they'll be taking a look at those guys. But he called them. This is George Hill, James Onsener, and O'Shea Brissett, excuse me, July 10th, guys. Right, and And that makes sense, given just how... Free agents usually goes right. The very very best players go in the first one two three days whatever, and then the second the group of players go in the next group of days. And then right when summer league starts and all the stuff can become official and all that, then you're kind of you know your role players, your back end guys, whatever trickle in and are the final signings. And so I think Brissett's probably a, a second wave of signings guy. But your James Johnsons, your George Hills, you know your key veterans are certainly some of the last guys you sign. And I think also when you think about what July 10th is, it's like You're shoring things up. You already know the rest of your team situation at that point. Perhaps their decisions to keep any of those guys depends on what else happens. And that makes a lot of sense, right? If they have a hole at the four, hey, O'Shea, maybe we want you back. Or if they only need one veteran, maybe they have to decide between Hill and Johnson. I don't know. There's a lot that could go into it. But that is what he said about those three. And I'll be curious what sort of discussions the team has with those guys. In the coming weeks and he also was asked what the team's biggest need is positionally and he described how the pacers view positions in terms of like point guard combo guard wing hybrid four uh center all that kind of stuff and he said hybrid slash four is the biggest stuff but hybrid and four is also what every team in the league views as their biggest need so of course it's harder to get those guys but that is what he believes the Pacers need the most and what has been discussed is the Pacers biggest need for years and years and years. So as you think about the stuff he said, they need that position and they need players who can play defense. And so that seems like the skill base that the Pacers would like to acquire in players this summer assuming they make significant moves, but we'll see, right? Actions always matter. The draft matter. The lottery will matter. The tiebreakers will matter. So yes, there's a lot we can learn from what they plan on doing or what they think they plan on doing, but actions will always matter more, and the reality, the current reality of a team situation, which is currently unknown for the Pacers, will also matter. So we'll cover all those changes as the offseason progresses in terms of the draft picks and things like that. Tomorrow's show, a fun one. Uh, the audio from... O'Shea Brissett, James Johnson, George Hill, Gabe York, and Kendall Brown talking about their upcoming free agency. play it right here on the show. Discuss what they said, uh, if I think they'll come back or not, what their offseason could look like, all sorts of fun stuff. It always is a really fun show that people really enjoy. Friday, a little post-mortem on this Pacers season with the guests. Then next week, lots of other stuff in terms of coin flips, whatever that happens for draft lotto ties, general offseason thoughts, what the Pacers should be watching for in the playoffs, all sorts of fun topics as usual here. Unlocked on Pacers. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Have a fantastic day. See you tomorrow.